seven, episode 33 of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Jeff. Hello. And John. Lovely to be with you, as always. Well, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, and it, as the, the second uh, term, I guess, of uh, Ryan Mason begins, like we, we kind of got to see a little something different. So uh, when... Um, we're going to start with Manchester United. Uh, so this was our home match. Um, I think we were um, all expecting some changes. It was probably the most excited I've been to see a lineup all season because I, I really didn't know what would change. I mean, there was limited options to change, and it wasn't that much. But we did see Decky was put on the bench, and Richarlson started. Um, it was the big one. Um, and we went into it, and... Um, I think we were all hoping that this was going to be a nice bounce back from Newcastle. And, and we kind of did the same thing again and started giving up early goals. And uh, um, it wasn't that pretty uh, to begin with. Uh, so let's start the conversation there. How were you guys feeling as we uh, saw the lineup and moved into this uh, uh, Manchester United match? Go ahead, John. Well, the thing about it to me is that all season we have had a schizophrenic team. And usually they've played rubbish in the first half and have played much better in the second half and things have worked out all right. Never have I seen such capitulation early in the game. You talked about Newcastle last week, but the same thing here. They just don't seem to be ready to play football for the first 15 minutes. And I I just don't get it. Um, I really don't understand it. It's got to be part of the player's mentality. But it's uh, it's an extension, really, of this schizophrenic first half, second half thing that we had for so many months. That's that's the puzzling thing. What what do you think, Lucas? Well, I mean, <clears throat> that's the what was that the? It's, I, I think the thing that had us most frustrated was that they were able to score right at that like five minute mark, right off the back of the Newcastle performance. So that's like kind of like you said, this isn't a. This wasn't a one-off opportunity where we just didn't have a good start or we looked sluggish. This was really like this was just the game after Newcastle where we saw them score within 90 seconds and we come out and we sleepwalk again through the first 10 minutes. And unfortunately, I know we'll get to it. We did the same thing against Liverpool. So it's like there is something to be said about this team's mentality and not being able to get up for these games. I don't understand it at all. Um, I wish we weren't seeing it, but in terms of the lineup itself to begin with like the Mason era, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, I just, I don't think we're healthy enough to really rotate our formations. Um, I think that because of the injuries that we've had, we only have two or three possible potential candidates in the midfield and we don't have fullbacks. So we can't play with four at the back. So it, it didn't surprise me at all that we ran out basically the same thing that we've been seeing. Well, and it kind of makes you understand, and I'll let you you tackle this uh, kind of as a question or statement. Uh, it kind of makes you understand what why Conte was just wanted to be so defensive that first half, because uh, I think he was probably concerned about this type of capitulation early on, um, and just wanted to get through that half and then try and take on the game in the second half. Um, now I'm not defending Conte. Um, I, I think it was the right time, right move for him to go at the time, but um, it's a little bit more understanding to me now. I well, maybe uh, he he had a point. Uh, how's it going, Jeff? 
Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with everything that John said. I mean, you know, kudos to Mason for at least getting us back to where we were early in the year, where we always fell behind and then came back. I still think uh, Tottenham leads the Premier League in points achieved, you know, after falling behind by two or more goals for the year. Um, at least he got us back to that level. But, um, I mean, you know, six goals, two goals, four goals in our last three games. That's 12 in three games. So we're still giving up four goals a game. Um, I don't think Mason can fix that because the three guys we have back there um, are terrible. We all know it at this point. I'll have special words for Eric Dyer later. Um, but, you know, two of them are slow and one of them his head falls off for at least half the game every game. So there's That's nothing Mason can do about that. That's what I was going to say. Ramiro is no exception from this, is he? Uh, no, he, his brain just comes, you know, it comes and goes, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, I think one of the things is you, you see, like, this, like, bipolar side of us where we have the second half when we kind of just let loose and go attack and we start bombing forward. We start creating all these opportunities. In that second half, we probably could have won that game 5-2. We had a lot of opportunities in that second half for goals. So I just, I don't know what it is with our mindset. And it's, again, it's, we are a very poor defensive side. Our back three is not good enough to be, not anywhere near good enough to be where we want to get. But that being said, I really do think that the formation that we play and are kind of forced to play right now is what's throwing them under the bus. Like these are, our defenders are not good. They're not good enough to what we want them to be. But they're not like they're making this system and the way we're playing in this formation is making them look like they're three like blind people like they they, they can't they're not as bad as it's like these results are making it look um, that that being said, I don't want I'm not advocating for these guys to be our starters moving forward next season. But it's um, I, I honestly think that having that two man midfield just sets our back three up to get sliced and diced and it. It's so easy for these teams right off the bat if they're able to do it in 90 seconds to just walk right through us, expose our back line, and just bury us. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you, Luke. It's, um, it, it is amazing to me that they play that awfully. Um, I agree that there's not uh, the talent there at the back. Um, to follow on on your Jeff, on your point, Jeff, we have conceded more goals than any other team in the Premiership, I believe, at this point. Um, so you can't look at that and say, well, there's nothing wrong with the defence. There's obviously horrible things wrong with the defence, whether it's the formation or whether it's the players or whether it's a combination of those. I think uh, we will find out in the future that the thing I really don't understand is players like Romero, who plays brilliantly and then plays like a fourth grade um, schoolboy I with the errors that he makes and Dyer um, also plays like a fourth grade schoolboy but um, he's more consistent he's like that all the time so I and the other thing is with the injuries that we've got we didn't have anybody else to put in there except for Sanchez. And we know he's even worse than the ones we've got out there already. So uh, I think uh, Mason's caught between a rock and a hard place w without the uh, the benefit of play players that can step up. Um, and I'm not even sure 
but uh, you know, with the with the lower leagues finishing now, we have no. The only defender that could possibly come in and help is Spence, and I'm going to talk to him a little bit, talk about him a little bit in my loan update, because um, he has been brought back uh, from Wren, and therefore I believe he would be available for the last two or three games. I'm not sure about that, but uh, but beyond that, there's nobody else in the in a defensive uh, loan that could help us at all. So it's um, yeah, Anthony. Don't, yeah, well, go ahead. I also want us to talk about some of the positives of this game as well. Um, and we did were able to mount the comeback that you guys talked about a, a, a bit. And I was really kind of impressed with um, Mason's uh, uh, willingness to uh, try something different, make a tactical sub. Like uh, um, it's something that we haven't seen uh, pretty much all season. Um, and I'm not saying he's ma- always making the right decisions, but uh, at least he's making decisions is kind of my, um, th- I think I said that right at the, the United match. Yeah, it m- might not always be the right decision, but at least he's actually making decisions and trying something. And I, I do give him credit for that. Um, how did you guys feel about this uh, uh, comeback in this one to, to draw even? Uh, go ahead, Jeff. Um yeah, I mean, it was nice to see us show fight again since we hadn't for so long, and it just laid down at Newcastle. Um, especially, I want to um, compliment Ivan Perisic because um, I really thought he played a strong game, and it was—it's what you expect a professional player to do when they've been so bad before that they take responsibility, they step up and play much better the you know the next game. Um, and we just have too many guys who just don't do that. So, and I thought Pearson's played a really strong game. He, he, uh, you know, he attacked well. He, his crosses and passes were really good. Um, and I thought he had a lot to do with with the comeback. Yeah. Also, um, I thought Skip had a very strong game too. Um, he did not seem to be cowed by what had happened, and he went forward. He put a, um, you know, he played. A, with a lot of heart and if everybody played with the same amount of heart that he plays with we wouldn't have a problem but as far as the comeback is concerned it was magnificent but it shouldn't have been a comeback if we'd started off like that we wouldn't have had to come back from anything um so once again why is it that it's a we play well when we're behind but we don't play well when we're when we're ahead luke Yeah, I, I think like it's it's one of those things. It's like if you told me at the beginning of the day you guys can get a two-two draw against United, I would have taken that immediately. But it's again, it's how it happens when you see the game actually unfold and you say, well, had we just started like we came out in the second half and not had to waste an entire forty-five minute block of sucking, then we wouldn't have had to worry about this magnificent comeback. But I will say, in terms of the comeback and looking at the positives. Um, I was really impressed with the fact that we went down 2-0 and actually came out and looked like we gave a shit. I know it's a very low bar that we're setting, but after that Newcastle game where we gave up a couple goals and everybody just mailed it in and quit, it was nice to see under Mason at least that they looked like they gave a shit. I know it's, well, where we could talk about tactics until the cows come home, but you got to start somewhere and starting a nice starting point at least is that our players look like they care. That's like I said, a low bar, but I'll take it at this point. 
Well, I do want to go to our one listener question here. And this one is a question for John exclusively. Um, so uh, uh, Shubes asks us, uh, loyal listener Shubes, uh, he said he was at the United game, but due to, due to toxic atmosphere, was unable to enjoy the Poro goal. Um, and he, John, he wants to know if you've known a time when the lane was this toxic. Well, it's difficult. Shubes, hi, how are you? Glad to hear from you again. Um, it's difficult to judge the toxicity of a game when you're watching it on television. Um, I have heard from you and others that there is a great deal of negative feeling around the ground and that a lot of people are very upset and that they're making their views known. And in answer to your question, no, I don't remember a time when it's been so toxic. I mean, even when we got relegated in, what was it, 1978, um, the support was behind them and the support in what was then the second division was superb from the Spurs fans. They really stood by them and helped them get promoted immediately. And, you know, what could be worse than getting relegation? Well, we're not even talking about relegation. We're talking about not making the top four and not playing with heart. And I, I can't, I think that Spurs fans have become too fickle I've seen on social media, two people say, I'm not supporting Tottenham anymore. I'm going to go support Manchester City. Well, you know, don't let the door hit you in the arse on the way out. Um, if you're a Spurs fan, you're a Spurs fan through thick and thin. And right now we're thin. Um, but as far as the toxicity is concerned, I'm wondering whether or not it's because the stadium is bigger. I mean, suddenly we've got 60,000 people. And if 30,000 people complain about it, then it sounds like a lot. Um, but I really, I, I don't really think that these people are proper Spurs supporters. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to tell it to them straight. If you're moaning about this, what, what are you moaning about? I hear a lot of moans about Levy. Well, what has he got to do with players putting the effort out on the field? I truly do not understand why he's to blame for that. But as far as toxicity is concerned, hopefully this will go away at the end of the season and we'll start next season on a high note. But uh, I think it's awful, absolutely awful, and the fans should be ashamed of themselves. Yet, um... Well, I think you hit, hit the nail on the head when you mentioned social media there. I think what we have happen is, is people like feed into this uh, social media bubble that they start to live in where it's just negativity, negativity, negativity all all week long. And then they get out to the ground on a, a Saturday night and they're they're all of a sudden uh, just filled with negativity. Um, we have the same thing in our media here in this country. We get, we, we get ne- negative hate going into our media and then people start spewing hate on the street later on. So it's it's doesn't surprise me, uh, but I think probably years ago, people would just get behind the team because it was their team, and they all grew up there, and you know, it, it wasn't as much of a world uh, gathering around one team. Um, but um, but with, the, with our connectivity, I think, comes this t- toxicity as well. Um, uh, go ahead, Lucas. Well, I, I think one of the things that probably has led into the toxic atmosphere was the fact that the way that that Newcastle game unfolded was that was strictly a 
an issue with players' effort and players caring. And I think that's what triggers a lot of the fans the most. We've taken ass beatings like that before. I mean, we've lost 6-0 to Man City or 6-1 to United. And I remember a couple years, like, um, that one year where we started, the year we bought Scott Parker and Adebayor, and, like, right after the first two games because we got smacked by, like, United and City back-to-back to open the season. I mean, we've taken those beatings, but that wasn't about effort. We went up against the buzzsaw that was a really powerful team, and we got beat. So I don't think that that's, like, performance-wise, like, or, like, results-wise isn't really the reason it's so toxic. I think it was probably as bad as it was because of the fact that the players had given up against Newcastle, and a lot of fans are just saying, if you don't care, why should we care? We're the ones paying to come see you guys play, and... So I, I think that's probably a major reason for it. But I agree with John. I don't I don't think there's ever a right time to be booing your players in your own stadium. Um, but I, I can kind of see where some of the negativity is coming from. But I really wish that a lot of Spurs players or excuse me, Spurs supporters would err on the side of trying to get their players back into it and sticking with them. Well, um, I want to move it. We have a lot to talk about today, so I do want to move along to MVP, LVP, but um, perhaps we can uh, touch on the 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 two goal to the two later goals or second half goals that we had as we get into MVP, LVP. If we if those players are in consideration, uh, so Jeff, um, we're going to start with you. Who do you have for MVP? Um, I'm going to go with Kane because I thought he was the string puller down the stretch um you know poro got the one goal and son got the other and one one thing we should say about mason is that he seems to have unlocked son or at least he got appointed at the time that son finally came out of his doldrums and started scoring again um but yeah i thought kane was you know like took over that number 10 role and just started you know just organizing the whole attack um i mean we talk about what an inconsistent team this is, except that we're consistently garbage on defense, but Harry Kane is always consistent, right? He's always, if he's not the best player, he's one of the players in the conversation. So, um, yeah, I I thought it was him. Well, and to your point on son, uh, Jeff, yeah, he, um, I think what Mason did was he moved, uh, son more centrally and left that space open for Perisic. They weren't occupying the same space anymore, and it, it really made a world of difference uh, with Sun. Um, uh, John, who do you have for MVP? Well, I'm going to pick Sun. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that suddenly he's starting to play better. I think the the point that he's going on the field in a different location um, is huge. I mean, if you keep if you're a team and you know Son's going to run down the left, then it's fairly easy to defend Son going down the left. Whereas if you're not sure if he's going to go down the middle, if he's going to go down the right or the left, I mean, back in the past, he would swing from one wing to the other or down the middle. And that's what he's been doing in the last couple of days. And I thought his performance um, deserves a mention uh, because I thought he played very well. And it's just nice to see. Okay. How about you, Lucas? I'm going to go with Jeff and say Harry Kane. I thought that in that second half, everything that we did seemed to come through him, and he was able to basically unlock the United defense a couple of times, and he had created a lot of good opportunities for us. So just a classic Harry Kane performance. Yeah, uh, 
I think you guys got the two that I would pick. Like uh, Son and Kane were kind of my two guys in this one. And um, I think I might just balance it out and go with John on this and say, Son, it's really nice to see him back uh, performing at, at, at the level that we know he's capable of. Um, and I really, I think all it took was uh, um, putting him into a role that works for him. And that's, uh, you know, not with his, uh, you know, back to the goal, you know, r- running into space, uh, um, you know, dribbling into um, dangerous positions, trying to get shots off. Like we're seeing the old son back again. Um, and I'm sure he's going to have some uh, times when he's not effective, like especially when we're playing a, a lower uh, table team that parks the bus. But um, but I think uh, we see what was going wrong with Son, and it, it, it had more to do with Conte and his system than than Son. I think. Um, let's go to LVP next and go back to Jeff. Uh, Eric Dyer, Eric Dyer, all day long. Um, Hoiberg, a special shout out too. He wasn't much good either, but. But Dyer, I mean, he let Rashford score. He, you know, I don't expect much from him on defense, um, but and probably less on offense. But when you're unmarked in front of the United goal, and you know, you get a perfect header, and you, you know, that's what you come up with. Um, yeah, I, it's Dyer. I'll, I'll give you a a look ahead. It's going to be Dyer for Liverpool too. <laughs> Uh, John, uh, who do you have? Well, it, yeah, it's difficult to which defender to pick. I mean, certainly Dyer had a pretty awful game. So did Romero. Um, but for me, it's between those two. And I think I'm going to pick Romero because Dyer's been consistent. Not very good, but consistent. Whereas Romero has been totally inconsistent and had a terrible performance. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, that's a good shout. Go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, I'm going to say Dyer. Um, but I, I do want to say that I, I didn't really have a, too much of a problem with the way he defended on that second goal because, I mean, you're one-on-one with one of the best players in the country and you got thrown under the bus in a 40-yard sprint with him because Hoybeer lost the ball. He got bullied off the ball by Casemiro. And in the one place where you can't get bullied off the ball because we had no one back, we were trying to press forward right before that second or right before half. And by giving the ball away there, it just, it, it, it basically screwed our back line. So um, I do want to mention that that was probably more Hoybeer's fault than Dyer's, but uh, again, Dyer just, again, consistently poor performance, not good enough. Yeah. I, I was going to say Hoybeer is mine um, for the exact reasons that you just described. And I, for me, that could have been a difference maker in this game. Like if we were only talking about a one goal game, um, uh, we, our comeback could have been a victory. And uh, um, I, I, do, I don't think we blame Hoybier enough for the, the mistakes that he made. And, and that was a big one. I mean, you've got to be more attentive to what's going on on the pitch around you. He just doesn't seem to have that awareness um, and, or passing ability. I mean, just, just boot the ball out of bounds. It would be better than what he did. Um, well, um, I think this is a good place to shift into Liverpool. So, so we go into this one, um, and I, it's tough to talk about because we're on the just a short time away from Newcastle, and we're, we're we come back in it, to this the start of this match, and 
you know, hoping for at least a good performance. And uh, again, we give up another quick goal and then a, a second one and then a third. And then, then we're starting to wonder, are they going to get to uh, five goals faster than, uh, than Newcastle did against us? Um, but, uh, but it kind of stopped there uh, for a while. And, um, it, it, and, and I guess we, we started to circle back around. Let's go to John for this. Well, I think we played some of the worst football we've played all year. And I think we played some of the best football we've played all year. Um, once again, to give up the, the goals was bad. Once we did that, I don't think I've ever seen them recently play as well as that. I mean, they were storming forward. And what did we do? We hit the post or the, the woodwork three times, I think. And... Uh, we were very, very close. I mean, we scored three goals. I mean, I know that uh, Richardson got off the, uh, you know, got his first Premier League goal, and God bless him. It, what, what part of his body did it bounce off? I'm not exactly sure. I don't think he would know what to tell you either. But nonetheless, there was a bit of luck with that. But good for him. He was in the right place. Uh, and the, and it was scintillating. I mean, really, the only way I saw this game going was that, you know, we were going to pull out a draw or we might even pull out a win. And then, um, yeah, Lucas Mora, who only kicked the ball, I think, once when he was on. I didn't notice him kicking it again after he passed it to their attacker so they could score their fourth goal. Um I mean, it would be sad if that's the last kick he ever has for plays for Spurs and that's his last kick, but I've got a feeling it is. Um, you know, he I don't think he'll be back next year. But it was, uh, you know, over the years he's been great, but he made an awful mistake and he did it at a terrible time and we got punished for it. And that's a that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it and, and it was a, it was the second mistake that he's had this season that's uh, that, that that's impacted our game. The red card being the other one, which was a stupid mistake. Um, so yeah, it's it's not the first time this season either, and we've seen very little Lucas this season. Go ahead, Lucas. Um, yeah, I think for me the thing we like had kind of had John had said we had played really well in that second half. There was at the seventy minute mark they had. Uh, like they only had three shots on goal versus our like six. So like all game, it wasn't as if it wasn't as if Liverpool was taking it to us for the entirety of the game. They literally just had, we just fell asleep for this opening 20 minutes, just like we've done for the last couple games. And I don't understand how we can be that poor in the beginning. Like, is it something about the way we're like warming up before the game? Is it something about the pregame speech or something? Like, is there something we're not doing because these players just do not seem like they're up for the start of the match, and it doesn't make any sense to me. I think it was actually astounding how the relative ease in which Liverpool could walk through us. It wasn't as if there was... I mean, the the one goal was, like, really nice. That, uh, But there's just... There wasn't... It, it wasn't as if they had some beautiful master, like, unlocking pass or something, or a brilliant bit of effort where somebody dribbled through and was able to create something special. It was it was so simple. It was going down the going down on the wing. You have all three center backs were in the box and you have a guy that just one guy that was supposed to be one guy just truck tracks into the box against three and Romero's just staring at him. 
Like, that's the one guy you have to step in front of and try and defend, and he just watched him. So I, it was it was so shocking how easy it was for them to just walk through our back line as if they're not even there. It was remarkable. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, by the time we went down 3 nothing, I think at that point in the match, we had 18% possession. Um, so, I mean, it... It wasn't just, I mean, the back line was bad as always, although I didn't think Davis was bad. Um, but um, the whole team got overrun and fast, right? For for that whole onslaught, we did nothing. And, you know, Pedro Poro may turn out to be a real good player to us, but it certainly doesn't look like it'll be at wingback. Um, definitely not at fullback because he can't defend at all. He has no idea who's behind him. And you would expect Romero to pick up for some of that because he's supposed to be our best defender, but he just didn't here again. So I think, you know, Liverpool took their foot off the gas once they went up three, nothing. And, you know, we stole the momentum back and we were pummeling them. I mean, by the end of the first half, we could, it could easily been three, two. Um, and then we just kept that up um, in the second half and they really, they never got back into the game on their own terms until Lucas gave it to them. Yeah, well, and we, I think we have to move the conversation to uh, a certain certain player of theirs. So Jada subs on for them, um, and we have a, a moment with Oliver Skip. Now, I've I've rewatched this video over and over and over again. I've uh, looked at it in still image. Um, I'm trying to come up with any explanation that this uh, studs up kick to the the head, d- despite Oliver the fact that Oliver Skip was diving into the, the the ball. He has every right to try and play that ball in the air, um, but Jada goes kicks him in with studs right to his head, and I, it's only a yellow card. Um, were you guys as mortified as I was by that? Uh, go ahead, John. Yes, absolutely. And like you, I've analyzed it. I've looked at it in slow motion. I looked at it at regular speed. And uh, I think one of the things you didn't mention, Anthony, is that I don't know how I think he had seven stitches, didn't he? Went after he went off. So th- this was a horrific yeah, seven, tackle. Seven, seven stitches and uh, had to get concussion protocol. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a horrific tackle by any stretch of the imagination. How that wasn't a red card, I do not understand. And, of course, then it bit us in the ass when he scored the goal. I'm, Yeah, no, I agree with you entirely, Anthony. There, there is no way in the world that that was not a red card. Absolutely not. Yeah, Lucas. Well, yeah, and it reminded me of that game was years back. I think it was like 2010 we were playing Man City. And Balotelli stamped on Scott Parker and the ref didn't see it. And it would have been a straight red. But then, sure enough, Balotelli ends up in the 93rd minute popping up and getting the winner and we lose. It's just it's that kind of football karma that just bites you when a decision like that is missed. And then it, of course, ends up being him that gets the winner. It was just it just poured salt into the wound in such a bad way. But I, I, I cannot wrap my head around how that's not a red card. And I've heard people trying to defend it, saying, well, there was no intent it's like, but I don't care if there was intent or not. It's a dangerous play. It's not like every red card is intent. Like it, 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 it was, a, it was sloppy. You came in high with your boot and you kicked your man in the head. Like that's, it's a red card straight up. I don't understand. Like that's a, that's a yellow. But then the one against Arsenal where Royale stomped on the guy's ankle trying to win the ball back. Like 
that's a straight red and nobody even questioned it or batted an eyelash, but then you come in flying with a kick to the face and it's just a yellow. Like I, I I'm so baffled and I've, I've yet to hear an explanation that makes any sense. Well, and I'll let you tackle this part, Jeff, like the, and then Klopp and Jada for that matter, I, I, after the match and uh, t- today, like the, defending the, the, themselves on it was just pissed me off more because, like, fuck you. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you you knew you could see it on your face that you knew that you had gotten a red card violation when you kicked him and saw him down on the ground bleeding. Like, uh, then you're going to justify it later, and you're going to act like uh, like if it was the other way around and Oliver Skip did that to Jada. Do you think uh, Klopp would be uh, uh, saying like, oh no, no, I think don't, it, it wasn't intentional, and uh, you know the, it was the great call to make it a yellow card. I'll let you tackle it, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, Klopp had himself quite a day yesterday, didn't he? Because his defense was that uh, basically Skip shouldn't even have been out there because he should have got a red for uh, his takedown um, earlier. Uh, and then he celebrated um, in the fourth official's face so violently that he pulled a hamstring. And then he uh, went off on the referee afterwards and said that he has a vendetta against Liverpool. And he looks at Klopp strangely all the time uh, to the point where the, you know, the um, referee association is looking into him and how much of a fine they're getting. I saw somebody associated with the referees wants Liverpool to get docked points because they think that's the only way to shut Klopp up. Um, I think we'd all like to see Klopp shut up. But yeah, it was obviously a red. Um, but I mean, this is the thing, you know, even with VAR, there's still so much subjectivity that, uh, you know, I don't know if it gets us any closer to good refereeing or not. I mean, part of the problem is that there's so many bad referees and there's bad referees in the VAR booth on top of it. Um, I don't know. They, I guess they need chat GPT to get to the point where it can just, uh, officiate all the matches. Uh, I think John was next, uh, or uh, Lucas. Well, yeah, I was yeah. just going to say the, real quick, just the thing with uh, how Jeff had mentioned VAR. It's like, what what else is what else is VAR for? I mean, if if we can't have, how was somebody not telling the refs like, hey, maybe go take a look at this, like to to have a player that's that dangerous, you would think that somebody like that's what the VAR is supposed to be there for. So I don't get why it's not. I, it's tough to expect the ref to be perfect in a quick, like bang, bang play that happens. And at full speed, like you don't know, you might not have got the best look at it, but that's what VAR should be is that the ref could have the opportunity to go take a look at it in slow motion and say, wow, okay, we missed that. That's a red card. I, I don't know what VAR is even there for. Yeah, that, that was the big part for me. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I, 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 and if the uh, is not for that, then what is it for? I just wanted to touch a little bit on what you said about intent. In, you do not need intent to get a red card. You need foul play. And whether or not it's an accident that you kick the guy in the head when his head's uh, five feet off the ground, or it's intentional that you kick the guy in the head when it's five feet off the ground, doesn't make any difference. And the fact that that's being used as an excuse is appalling. It's just appalling. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Luke. What what are we? I also agree that sometimes the referee on the field 
is uh, maybe doesn't get the best look, maybe doesn't uh, catch it immediately or whatever. Well, that's fair enough. So give it to the VAR. Let the VAR have a look at it. They can look at it in slow motion. They can look at it backwards. They can look at it upside down if they want to. Um, but it's being that is what it's there for, is to look at what has happened and to do something about it. Um, and that's not happening. So. Well, uh, then I, then there was also this Richarlson uh, um Take down in the box. Now, I, I, I'll be the first to agree that Richarlison went down pretty easily there. Like he was certainly looking for the, uh, um, uh, for the foul there. Um, but when I actually watched that one on replay, like the, he was being grabbed and pulled back. Like, um, and yeah, maybe he could have plowed through that and still kept going on. But uh, and he, he was hoping for the penalty there, but. Um, how did you guys feel about that one? I, I have kind of mixed feelings. Um, I, I think, Lucas, you were first. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of it has to do with reputation of the player, unfortunately. Um, a lot of times, you we used to see it all the time with Delhi. Delhi could actually get mauled, but because he had a he had basically developed a reputation of going down soft or going down easy, looking for calls, sometimes that actually, when it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf, when you actually do get taken down, the ref's going to be like, ah, it's just Delhi, like, get out. And I think Richarlison has kind of established that as his reputation throughout the league with these refs sometimes where he goes down very easily. And so when he is really properly taken down like that, it was a, it almost looked like a rugby tackle. But, like, when he is taken down, it's unfortunately he has that reputation in the ref's minds of going down soft and they're not going to give him the call. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, uh, let's go to Jeff next. Um, I'm kind of with you, Anthony. I'm, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm not sure it was a penalty. If if it had been a Liverpool player and they had awarded a, pl- a penalty for the exact same thing, I would have been pretty furious as a Spurs fan. So um, I don't know if there was enough there. Um, but yeah, I and I totally agree with you, Lucas. Um, I mean, Richarlison has a reputation and you know, unless he stops diving, he's you know, he's going to lose penalties like this. Although he did get one um, a few matches ago, but but he's never going to get all the ones he wants when he drops so easily. Yeah, uh, go ahead, John. Yeah, I agree with you. It was his reputation. But on the other hand, if you look at it, was he actually being drawn backwards, or was he pushing him his own body back in order to gain the uh, to gain the call. And quite honestly, again, I've looked at this a number of times, and I think that that could well be the case. He's masterful at that. And again, he's very good at it. So the referees know he's very good at it. So even when it happens, he probably won't get the call. If it had been another player, I think if Skip had been brought down like that, it would have been a Stonebanker penalty, no doubt about it. The only thing that makes me wonder if, like, he was being pulled a little bit was, uh, like, the, the defender's hand was on him the whole time that, that he, he went backwards. And, yeah, maybe he was just throwing himself back, but why not take your hand off of him then if he's if he's pushing back into you? So I, I think there may have been something there, but it's, uh, yeah, the reputation, as Lucas said, like, it, it I, I can't blame the ref for this call not going uh, Richarlison's way for sure, sure of course. Um well, ultimately, we did get these uh, uh, three goals back, and it was very exciting. We had equalized, 
and and it was already in extra time. Um, we just had to hold on for a couple more minutes. But then, of course, the the player that should have been sent off with the red card <laughs> um, is the one that that gets in behind us in uh, another stupid play. And let me say, like, um, I'll I'll defend the Lucas sub. I don't think I wanted to see Lucas come on, but I liked Mason subbing on two uh, attackers for the wingbacks at the end and just going for it. Like, I really liked the fact that we weren't trying to just uh, play for the draw at that point. We were trying to play for for a win, I think. Like, uh, you know, we could have just accepted we're not going to win this game and, uh, you know, let's stop the bleeding. Um but no, we really went for it, and uh, yeah, maybe Lucas wasn't the right decision, but I do appreciate that we were going for it, uh, Lucas. Yeah, I, to me, it was just—it was so disappointing how how quickly we can just switch off. It was such a big moment having that goal. It felt really, really great to see. You saw Son and Richarlson celebrating together. It felt so great, and it felt like their hard work had been revo- like rewarded for not giving up and staying in this game and. And then all of a sudden, it's just we we can like just like that. All of a sudden, we can just switch off, and everyone goes to sleep. Lucas Moore does something stupid. Our back line's caught out again, not nearly good enough to try and at least get a foot in there or something like. And it's just it's just so disappointing that we can we can just be that bipolar, and all of a sudden, just turn our brains off, and all of a sudden, now we don't have any point. And to have that type of devastating loss like it just uh it was that one hurt uh go ahead john um yeah i mean you you hear it said well that substitution changed the game usually that said when a forward is put on and he scores a goal um but on on the other hand it could be used in this situation yeah the substitution changed the game but not in a good way uh you know, I I don't disagree with you, Anthony. I mean, when he came on, I thought, well, we're going for it, and and let's let's throw everything we've got at him. Um, but you can't shut off. And how many goals this year? I don't know whether I've been particularly noticing it or whether it's been more often. But how many goals this year have come from us losing the ball in the back? Um, as passing a ball like Mora did to them. I mean, just making horrible defensive uh, mistakes. And we're getting hammered for it. And I've noticed on other games I've watched too, that's what creates almost every goal in a Premier League is a mistake. You pick the ball up, you lose the ball, and then people hammer you for it. So, yeah, okay, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Mora, but on the other hand, it was so heartbreaking. And who else are you going to blame there? Yeah, Jeff? Um, yeah, so a couple of things. One, Lucas, I totally agree with you with what you said about how they switch off. If you, we should have talked about this during the United game, but switch, you know, flashing back to that for a second, you know, we score to make it 2 1. And immediately off that kickoff, Bruno Fernandez gets in free in the box and somehow hits the, off the, bar. the crossbar, or we would have gone down immediately. Same, same kind of thing. I mean, it's, there's such a lack of mental concentration in this team um, and they switch off so easily. That's one thing Two, I was super excited that they finally brought Dan Juma in because every time that guy gets on the pitch, good things happen for us. He's quick. He's smart. He can pass. Um, we have to make a decision 
um, at the end of the season if we're going to buy him or not. Um, and we need to see him out there more and more. We don't ever need to see Lucas Mora again. Lucas Mora in the club to say they're not, you know, he's not signing a new contract. He's not playing for us anymore. Thank you very much for Amsterdam. He's done a lot of good work for the club. But no, I don't want him out there anymore. I was horrified that he that we swapped out you know, both wingbacks and put him out there as one. If there's somebody who could defend less than Poro, there he was. He didn't even get a chance, though. When that, that whole sequence of play was amazing. Everybody is going towards the Spurs goal. Spurs players and Liverpool players. And Mora passes it that way. Why? How does that thought get in your head? How does the thought not get in your head? Boot the ball back down, you know, towards Allison. It, it's the same old, it's the same thing these guys... And the and the lack of thought is terrifying. Well, yeah, and with all those passes, that I, I think John brought it up first. It's just so infuriating, and I think we can see why maybe we were a little bit better when Fraser Forrester came in because, like, he actually has some footwork. Like, it gave us like a little bit of like a we could, we could send the ball up uh, upfield a little bit and actually connect with somebody now and then. Uh, so we didn't always have this build up out of the back anymore. Um, but it's, yeah, it's infuriating those, uh, the, the passing around in the back and just making the stupid, losing the ball in a stupid place. There's no excuse for it. Like I would just kick the ball out of bounds. If you're at risk, it's better than, um, it's better than losing the ball and uh, causing a goal scoring opportunity. Go ahead, Lucas. Well, I think too, there's, another thing with the how they switch off i think there's a lack of leadership i honestly do i think after you get that third goal you have a couple minutes left to try and see it out i would like for someone like to just become the leader on this team in the center of the pitch and grab some guys together get everyone's head on the right page make sure everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing instead it's just it's a free-for-all we score the goal everyone's just free to do something dumb and just turn their brains off where i really wish we would have someone i wish that could be what harry kane would do is getting these guys' faces and make sure everyone is staying focused and you t- just make sure everyone knows, hey, we got three minutes. See this out. Effort, smart, don't do anything stupid. Stay focused. And there's just not. We have that lack, and that's been a problem that we've talked about time and time again on this podcast, and it's the lack of leadership. And I think in moments like that, we see how much we need and on the center of the park in general that we don't have. And it's just, yeah, I think that, the easy scapegoat is just, yeah, let's say Lucas Mora, because that was one of the stupidest passes that we've ever seen. And it's just, again, it's he got the red card against Everton. So it's just, he's had these sub moments where he does something stupid. But at a deeper level, I really wish we would have some kind of leader on the center of the park to actually get these guys' heads on straight and make sure we see these types of games out. Yeah, no, definitely. I think this is a good place to go to MVP on this one. So let's uh, swing back over to Jeff and we'll start with MVP. Uh, I'm going to stick with Harry Kane again. Um, you know, his goal was well taken. I thought he was involved in the uh, the attack again. I think he set up Sun for his, but I, I might be confused with the United game. Uh, but again, it, in an incredibly inconsistent team, he's the one consistent player. So I'm, I'm going to recognize him again. Yeah, and he's been dropping back into the midfield like I kind of asked uh, for to a certain extent, um, and being a, a bit more of that facilitator, which is, I think helped sun out a lot. Um, so good shout there. Uh, John, we'll go to you next. Well, I'm going to go with Kane. 
um, as well. I think he deserves it. But I also want to say I think a really good honourable mention should go to Skip. Um, he played some great forward passes. He was involved in a couple of the goals, um, played with a huge amount of heart. Uh, so, yeah, Kane was the best player on the day, but Kip, Skip had one of his best performances for us, I thought. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a, a good mention there. Um, and taking that hit like a champion too. Uh, um, Lucas, who do you have? Uh, I actually have Sonny. I thought Sun played really, really well. I thought he was involved going forward and a lot of different created a lot of different opportunities, had a couple of woodworks. Um, but yeah, I thought Sun was all over the place. Obviously, Kane played fantastic as well. Um, but I think a lot of what we saw being able to kind of when we start bombing forward, someone like Sun can be so threatening and it's good to see him kind of finding some form. Yeah, I I have to agree with you, Lucas. Uh, Sun's mine as well. It's it's really just Nice to see him back in form, as you say. Um, I want to give a shout out, not not that he was uh, uh, MVP material, but give a shout out to Red Charleston for his first Premier League goal with us. Um, it wasn't that impressive of a goal, just kind of like a slight deflection on his head that just happened to loop over and in. But uh, like uh, sometimes that's all it takes to get you going. So hopefully in these last four matches, we get to see him uh, score a few more times for us. Um, uh, how about LVP? Let's go back to Jeff. Wow, it's, I mean, it's super easy to just say Lucas Mora because he directly cost us the game. But then again, if we hadn't shipped three goals before that, he wouldn't have. It wouldn't have mattered if he was out there. So I'm going to stick with Dyer, like I said before, because I still thought, you know, we, we have a, we have three in the back and the guy in the middle is supposed to be your leader and your organizer, right? Who keeps everybody on the same page, keeps the line together and everything. He doesn't, he's always out of position. He's slow. It's just, you know, there's, yeah, that defense is just broken and a lot of it is his fault. Yeah. uh, Good, good point. John, uh, who do you have for LVP? Well, Jeff, once again, we're on the same page. Um, I think that uh, Dyer should be the LVP, but with an honourable mention to Musa. Yeah. I mean, he, if we got an honourable mention one way, we should get an honourable mention the other way. So, uh, yeah, that yeah. would be me. Yeah. Uh, Lu- Lucas, who do you have? Uh, mine's Romero. Uh, I thought Romero was awful. Um, I thought he had a very large part in all three of those goals early. He had the only part in the third goal where he came in for the most ridiculous unneeded challenge at a moment where we had our backs to the wall and we were scrambling, trying to get ourselves together. And he comes in and does something stupid like that to just bury us. Um, I thought he played really poor, even in, even aside from the goals, he had a couple of moments and it's this thing that he always does where he'll come back and make some like amazing recovery off the ball and, and win the ball back off a guy that's coming in on goal or coming into our box. But then if you just rewind 10 seconds, you'll realize that he wasn't where he was supposed to, and he was out of place, which is the reason that they were able to get in behind us. And then he'll do some amazing tackle and save the ball. And it's like, well, it'd be, you're making it hard for yourself. Like you don't have to go back and make this amazing challenge. If you actually were where you were supposed to be. He just, uh, he just did that a couple of times yesterday. And the reason that I'm holding him to a much higher standard than Dyer is because he's better. He's supposed to be better than Dyer. And Dyer is what he is. We know he's not good enough for us, but Romero, you're one of our, you're the most expensive center back we've ever bought. And you're supposed to be the, the guy back there and you're supposed to be the best. And we can't have you having games like that where you cost us three goals. It's just, 
we can't have it. And so I definitely, for me, it's Romero. Uh, I agree. Uh, I have, I, I had Romero as well. I just, uh, like it's, it, it, it's really depressing that, you know, he's supposed to be this like superstar defender for us. And I still think he has the potential to be, um, but I think we're starting to see his faults and, uh, you know, he's really, um, I, I don't think the player that we thought we were getting, um, or at least he's got to get past these mistakes uh, or just learn uh, to play in a certain system asked by a coach and really buy into what he's supposed to do and what his role's going to be. Cause it, yeah, it does seem like he just shuts off at times and it makes stupid tackles that gets us, uh, you know, penalties or, uh, or, or uh, you know, red cards and stuff that we've seen all season. So yeah, good shout there. But I, yeah, he's been a ghost. He's been a ghost since the World Cup. I don't think he mentally ever came back from the World Cup. He's been really, really poor since the break. Yeah, yeah, and then the Lucas. I mean, yeah, uh, Lucas was just stupid. Um, but yeah, it's tough. Like when when we were already in a three goal deficit, well before he even came to the field. Like uh, it's tough to give him all the blame. Um, well, I think this is probably a good place to go to half. Um, in the second half, we are basically just going to preview the upcoming uh, Crystal Palace uh, fixture at home. Um, but first, uh, we are going to John, go to John's Lone Player Update. John's Hello, everybody, and welcome to the last loan uh, report of the year. During this uh, report, I'm going to talk about everybody that's uh, that's been away on loan, um, tell you a little bit of a synopsis on what their season has been like, and then I'm also going to put in there whether or not I think they're coming back, they're going to be sold, going out on loan again. Um, but in general, since the last one, which has been a few weeks, um, none of our players on loan have really excelled. Uh, and that's been kind of difficult to see. But anyway, we currently have 11 players out on loan. Now I'm going to start with Giovanni de Celso. He's with Vila Real. Now, he had a horrible injury, stopped him going to the World Cup. Um, took him a long time to get back and, and from that. But now he's playing really well. And I may go out on a limb here and say I think he could be useful addition next year um, if he can, you know, looks the way he is right now. Um, Brian Gill, Gill in Sevilla. Now he's an enigma to me because he's in. He just got put into the Spain senior squad. He's playing very well. I think though that he is a warm weather player, and I don't think the Premier League suits him for that reason he's got talent but i'm not sure whether or not he will be able to come back and really make a difference in the uh, in the premier league so i've got him as a possible for next year uh look at sergio regulon he's had a torrid season um he got he got injured just about when he went out he uh, was out for a long time he came back he had stomach issues he wasn't able to start He's not really played, but if we need a left back, a left wing back, if we're short of them, um, he might be, you know, he might be useful. Um, Jed Spence, he's already returned from Rennes in France. 
Um, he played very well, and he was brought to the team to sub for Harare Torore, who is their captain. Um, and he did very, very well in the four games that he uh, that he played for them. But then Traore got fit again, and he lost his place. And he has not played since. Um, he is now back with the club. I'm not sure about the rules whether or not he'd be allowed. To, he could be allowed to play now before the end of the season or not. But he's he's one. I think he will be back. Um, and Dombele with Napoli. Well. He was part of Napoli's title. I mean, I don't think they've statistically won it yet, but it's almost impossible for them not to win the league. But when you say he's a part of it, he was a very small part. Um, He didn't really take anybody by storm. I understand talks are in the works to cancel his £200,000 a week contract, which has two years left on it now i can't do the mental math in my head but two hundred thousand pounds a week for two years is a bloody huge amount of money um i've got to i've got to believe that they will find a way to cancel his contract work it all out he will not be back um destiny ugoji and forgive my pronunciation is worse as bad as always with udinese he is one for the future. He's been a regular starter for them. And even though it looks as if they may get relegated, he's been player of the month a couple of months. He's done very well. I'm really looking forward to him being with us next year. So he's de- he will be with us next year. Harry Winks at Sampdoria. I think he's found a new home, quite honestly. They love him. He loves them. I expect a permanent transfer um, after his loan ends. I think we've seen the last of Harry Winks, and I wish him all the best at Sampdoria. I think he'll do very well there. Now, let's talk about some of the more high-profile players. Troy Parrott with Preston North End. Quite honestly, I think he's been a huge disappointment. Now, he came with us, and everybody said, well, he's very young. Well, he's 21 years old now. Um, He got four goals this year. And let's not forget, he is a striker. (laughs) That's that's his job. And if you're a striker, four goals this year is not the kind of performance that would draw attention to you. Now, he did have um, some time when he was injured. But um, I'm not sure whether we'll lose patience with him or uh, and sell him. Or keep him and put him on loan again. I think that that might be what happens. Give him another chance and send him on loan to somewhere else. Um, Same thing with Dane Scarlett. He was at Portsmouth. Got great reviews, um, but he is a couple of years younger. So I think he's got some more developing to do. They changed their manager. They changed their formation. He stopped getting uh, the, the time that he was getting before. And at the same time, then he was struggling for form. So I think either he will be in our squad next year as a reserve or more likely he'll go out on loan again. Um, And then finally, Harvey White, who went on a a late loan to Derby County. He is 21 years old. Um, Derby are still in the hunt for a, a playoff place. So I think he's almost the only one still playing, certainly in the in the UK. And I, I have a good feeling about Derby. I think they're going to make that last playoff spot. And I think he's going to be part of that. And hopefully he'll be a useful part of that. But again, he's 21 years old. 
he's either going to go on loan again or we'll cut him, we'll sell him. So, um, lastly, Joe Roden in Wren, uh, Wren uh, has been awful. He lost his place in their first team. He looked ordinary to bad. Um, there is no place for him in Tottenham. There will, he will be sold and will be lucky to get any money for him. He's done. Never hear of him again. So in overall, I think that two of these players online will be in our squad next year, Udoji and Spence. I think three will be sold, Roden and Dembele and Winks. I think three may be back, have a chance to be back. That will be Regulon, Gilles and Lo Celso. And I think three will go out on loan again, being White, Parrot and Scarlet. So that's my roundup for the year of the loanees. And thank you all for listening. Well, thanks, John. And yeah, it's like you, you have to hope that like with all these players out on loan, uh, that some of them uh, may contribute in the future, or at least if, if they're not going to contribute, that we can sell them on. We might not get what we paid for them in some cases, but, uh, but, but it's important to, uh, to reset the squad and, and sell on. But I could see a new coach wanting to bring some of these players back in and have a look at them before we sell. Um, so I, I expect to see a lot of these guys in camp and then maybe getting sold towards the end of the, the transfer window this summer. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Anthony. Um, you know, a new coach is going to take a new look at all of them. Some of them are beyond, um, uh, you know, they're, they're beyond it. They won't be back. But, um, you know, I wish them all the best. The thing that uh, disappoints me the most is that these players are being given an opportunity to showcase their skills. Go out there in a lower division and show us that you deserve a place in the Premier League. And quite honestly, I haven't really seen that from uh, from any of them this year. Uh, so That's it's sad, sad, but true. Uh, Jeff, you want to jump in there? I was just going to say the thing that worries me most in this offseason and trying to unload these guys is that United and Chelsea are going to be flooding the market with players that they want to unload as well, who are better than ours. And John, like you said, the, you know, the guys that we sent out on load didn't perform well. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be really hard, I think, to get rid of some of these guys without just, you know, like taking 10 cents on the dollar, basically. And I, you know, which hasn't traditionally been Levy's way, but maybe he'll have to this time. Yeah, it could. Uh, go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. And I think like the perfect one to look at would be Ndombele. Like Ndombele's got a couple of years left. He's making 200K a week. And who's going to take him? Who's going to want to take him off our hands and pay his his immense wages and get the really like the lack of production out of him that he comes with? He's been yeah. really disappointing. If he, had, if he had done amazing on loan or something, that would have been really helpful because then we could have tried to come to the table with some teams and see if we can unload him. But it's, it's just, it's going to be really hard for us to try and get rid of a guy like him that has that, his money is just eaten up whole up in our wallet. And it's, it's unfortunate that he didn't have the production that could make him a appetizing target for some teams. Yeah, I agree, Luke. It's, um, he's the, he's the really the one that we're going to lose a lot of money on. Um, some of the others, I think we probably get our money back on Gill. Um, Spence didn't cost us very much. 
Hudogi didn't cost us a huge amount. Um, Parrot came through the system. Scarlet came through the system. White came through the system. So I think apart from Ndombele, um, we should be all right financially with him, even if we cut him free. Yeah, no, definitely. Good shots there. Good conversation. I, but I want to move it along into this uh, this weekend match. So uh, this uh, uh, Saturday, we take on Crystal Palace at home. Uh, this is our second-to-last home match of the season. Um, this is a 9 a.m. match here in Chicago, and uh, Crystal Palace is currently in 11th place in the league with 40 points. That's 10 wins, 10 draws, and 14 losses. Um, they did uh, win at, ho- at home against West Ham this past weekend. Um, they... Um, uh, they lost the Wolves prior, Wolves prior the, to that, drew Everton, beat Southampton, and beat Leeds uh, going backwards. Um, we know the players that they have that, um, that have uh, some potential talent, uh, Zaha, Easy, um, uh, a couple others in there. Um, and uh, we have beat them the last two times that we have uh, faced them. Um, how are you guys uh, feeling about this uh, uh, this match against uh, um, Crystal Palace? Uh, well, I'll, I'll go first on this. Crystal Palace have been a rejuvenated team. They were facing relegation in a really bad way, couldn't really put things together. And they bring back Roy Hodgson, who I believe is one of the only people in football that may be even older than me. And it is incredible to me that a man can come back, do whatever it is he did, and turn them around. I think that since he has been there, they've won five, drawn one, something like that. Um, He's been a revelation. So we're going to take him on um, probably at a good time because they're – you know, appointment of Hodgson was to keep him out of relegation, which he's done. So maybe it's like, well, okay, if we've done that, phew, uh, we can relax a little bit more. Or they'll just go on and, and score three goals in the first 15 minutes and we'll win it 4-3 with, a um, you know, an extra time winner. Uh, it's really hard to predict, but I do think that we should give Hodgson such real credit for the turnaround in that club, quite honestly. He's done, he's done a fantastic job. Credit where it's due. Uh, I think Jeff, you were next. Oh, um, I was. I, I think we can expect to give up at least two goals, right? <laughs> Based on uh, our, um, you know, history over the past month or so. Um, I, you know, it's hard. It's 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 at home. I think the crowd will buoy us a little bit more. I think they're. Yeah, they're mad about the Liverpool result, but excited about the comebacks in the last two games. I would think it would be a less toxic atmosphere for a change. Um, and that, that'll probably be enough for us to get past them. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think this is going to be a little bit less. T- People are at least enjoying what they're watching again. Uh, like the passion's back where I think we were at the point, like especially um, – uh after Conti was fired where it's just like our hands were up in the air and like uh no matter what bad happened to us we just uh okay well I'm not even angry anymore I'm just uh this this is my lot in life is kind of the thing but I think these last two games have brought back some of that passion at least we're seeing some like a a attacking play like uh the players seem to be into it even if they the defenses can't hold it together um 
Uh, Lucas, how are you feeling on this? Well, this is an interesting one for me because Palace is it, it, it kind of just depends on what their mentality going into the game is, I think, because they're a team that actually can play. We've seen them. They, they do play a lot better at home, but this is a team that's gone and played really well against City, United, Newcastle. Um, so this is a team that can hurt you and they can score. And so it, it kind of just depends on do we take a 20-minute break at the start and let them get a couple goals, or do we actually take the game to them from the get-go? So I, I'm hoping it's the latter. I'm hoping that we actually start this game with the right mentality and we try and take the game to them. Because uh, it would be it would be nice to see us try and put together a whole 90 minutes at this point. I know last time we played them, we actually won 4-0. But despite that, we still had a whole half where we were kind of sleepwalking through it. And then we were able to get a couple of lucky breaks. But I, I don't think that there's – I think maybe Man City at home is the only game I can think of where we put in a 90-minute shift and we were focused and played well for the entirety of the game. Um, every other game, even our wins, we still have a – 45 minute windows here and there where we just our brains are switched off or even a, even a 30 second window you switch your brain off and we see what like Lucas Moore showed us what can happen there so I think for me it'd be really nice to see us try and in these last couple of home games here at least for the fans try and put in a 90 minute shift and if we do that there's no doubt in my mind we can win this game by several goals. John yeah you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about what Jeff said, um, you know, the, about the atmosphere in the ground. If we go out and play, how many times have we said this? We go out and play like we did in the second half last week. The fans will be up with us and all that will be forgotten. If we go two goals down, then the fans, then those naysayers will be very vocal. And I'm not sure that the fans in general will therefore be behind us. So, I, you know... It's crucial that we play this game and not give up goals at the beginning, I think, because that's going to change the, the uh, atmosphere inside the ground. It's going to change the, the way the players play. It, I'm, I'm dreading the thought that we, that we go two goals down. And I think Palace have a good set of forwards and they're able to score goals. Um, I just hope we can hold it together and not go two down, because if we do, then all sorts of bad things are going to happen. What do you guys think we'll see as far as lineup and formation? Any surprises with this one? Jeff? I think it depends if any of the walking wounded are back. And it didn't sound like, at least so far, anybody will be. So I would think it will still be 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, I hope Decky gets benched again. And either Richarlison or Dan Juma starts um, in his place. Um but I don't, I don't know that Masons could be able to make a lot of other changes. Well, um, yeah, like without Emerson Royal, we can't really do a back four. Um, like we, we could put Ben Davis on the other side, but, um, but yeah, we can't, really can't do back four. I mean, you could, you could stack the midfield, but it would be just be three mediocre midfielders. So it's really tough. But Lucas, do you have any ideas? Yeah, I think we'll definitely see Richarlison come in and swap in for Kulicheski. And a big thing for me, though, is I would really, really like to see Dan Juma get some minutes. I know we've talked about it before where um, we need to be using these games. I mean, realistically, the Champions League's off the table now. We're probably going to finish in either Conference League or Europa spot, unfortunately. But we could be using these games in a productive way and trying to see what we have in some of these young players. I really like what we've seen from Dan Juma, so it'd be great to see if 
if that's a guy that we can maybe make the investment in and have it be part of our future. So the only way we're going to find out is if we get some of these guys minutes. And I hope that that's what we see uh, this weekend. Cause it'd be, it'd be good to get to see him get like a full 90 minute run out and get to play with Kane and son some more. John. Yeah. I, I think that the uh, lineup is very limited by who, what players are available, quite frankly. Um, if you if you look, as we said, Davis has come back. I'm not sure that anybody else is going to be fit. We'll get those reports later on in the week. But um, it, what can you do with what we've got? And I think Jan Juma is about the only thing that we could show, um, you know, give him some time so that we can see what he can do. Because I really don't understand why we brought him on loan um, if we're not going to play him. When he's come on, he's been electric. Um, maybe start him as the third forward with Kane and so on on, on Saturday. That would be, I, I would go for that if that was the case. Yeah, no, I think that could be exciting. Like uh, if, if I saw him starting in the lineup, I think I would be pretty excited about it. And Crystal Palace at home might be the best opportunity. Um, I would say more than Brentford at home. Like if we want to give him like a home performance where, um, where he might have a little bit more of an opportunity and the fans behind him. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see that happening. Uh, any uh, final thoughts before we go to predictions? Okay, well, let's uh, do predictions. Uh, we'll start with John this time for predictions. Well, I do think this defense is going to give up a goal. They'll be very pleased if they only give up one goal, but I am the eternal optimist. I think we're going to go with, uh, we're going to win 3-1, Kane and Son. And, uh, well, let's say Davis for the third one. Okay, I like it. Uh, Lucas, uh, what's your prediction? I think 3-1 as well. Um, I'm going to say 3-1, we'll go with uh, Kane will have two, and I'll say Richarlison gets another one, gets moving in the right direction. Okay, uh, Jeff, what do you what do you have? I'm gonna say three two Spurs, um, and I'm gonna say Kane son, and uh, yeah, I think Richardson. Now that he finally got off the Schneid, I think uh, he'll get another one. Uh, I'm gonna say two one. Maybe they surprise us this time, and and they uh, don't give up a whole bunch of goals um, and have to come back and uh, score late. Um, uh, I think we're going to get one from Kane. Uh, Sun might take a rest this time. Um, and I want to give the other one to Danjuma. I think uh, um, I, I want to hope that he does get uh, significant minutes in this one. Uh, so I'm going to make him my second goal scorer. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up the episode? Uh, I see a lot of head shaking. Well, um, let me just say that I think... Um, it's refreshing to see Ryan Mason coaching, even though I don't think he's the best coach. I don't think he's necessarily ready to, to coach Spurs at this point. Um, but I definitely see the potential there. Like he's willing to try things. Um, he's got really limited options right now. And he's still uh, like, uh, he, he's managed to, to do what um, uh, the last few coaches have not. And it really seemed to get some pump some energy into this team once again, which I don't think we've seen since the first half of uh, Mourinho's tenure. 
uh, when we were like sitting in first place for that period of time and Kane and Son were just firing on all cylinders. I don't, um, and granted, the defense is capitulating like crazy, but the uh, but the attack is actually uh, firing when it needs to now, which is is nice to see. And I think um, with with these last remaining games, I mean, uh, we we don't have that much to look forward to other than just have a look for the rest of the season. And I think it, it, it's a good uh, time to just uh, maybe start falling in love with, uh, with with Spurs again and shake off all the negativity and let's just go out and watch some football. Uh, but I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Um, so I want to thank, oh, um, before we do that, uh, before I do the closing, uh, so I'm Anthony, you can find me on Twitter at Callahan42, K-A-L-I-H-A-N 42. Uh, Lucas, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, Lucas Ruski, L-U-C-A-S-R-U-S-K-E, all one word. And uh, like I always say, jump on chat spurs with me anytime. Uh, John, where can they find you? Well, I'm not really sure. I think I'm on Instagram. Um, people send me things on Instagram, but I don't know what my name is on there. Um, and I'm certainly not on Twitter. So uh, I think I can be found uh, at home, would be. <laughs> A good answer. Uh, Jeff, how about you? Uh, Facebook, I'm in the Chicago Spurs uh, uh, group there. Okay, great. Well, uh but that about wraps it up. So thank you so much to Jeff, Lucas, and John for being on today. And thanks to Tommy for editing today, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Come on out and watch a match with us if you're here in Chicago. Uh, find us on our many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, and many more. And hit the subscribe button and write us a review on those uh, platforms wherever you can. Um, uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>